Hello everyone and welcome back to the Two Baggies One Lightbulb podcast. It's back to a bit of normality today as we're back to talking about a loss, but there are far more positives than negatives we find in uh, in today's loss. Would you agree, Dom? Yeah, I think so. I think overall, um, yeah, it's like you say, it's a bit of a blast from the past, you know, like at the start of the season, wasn't it? Uh, I think Leicester, we started this uh, trend, wasn't it, Max? Of, we uh, lost, but we lost. We lost, but, but we found yeah. a, a nugget, a nugget of positivity within that. And uh, I think that's a, the same case today, actually. We've we've definitely been humbled, definitely been humbled by the Hammers. Good um, side. Yeah, they are a good side. And to be fair, like, I think it was uh, Andy Townsend was saying it in the commentary that I was watching. Um, he was like, oh, well, West Ham haven't got much prinking off the bench. And I was like, what? Compared to who, Andy? Compared to Man City, maybe? Because they've got an awful lot compared to us. They can bring, uh, you know, £30 million players off the bench. But they brought Yarmolenko and Pablo Fornals on, so... Exactly, exactly. So <laughs> the guy just doesn't are. know what he's talking about. So um, th- that's the difference. The quality is the difference. The money's the difference. We've had this conversation in the past. Um, you know, teams like West Ham are obviously going to have that um, that advantage over us. Um, but we made up for that today again um, with our ability to stick with the game plan, stick to the Sam Aladici football that we've kind of getting used to now. Um, and yeah, I, th- I feel like we had a good game. Um, it was just a couple of lapses in concentration. Um, West Ham did have more opportunities than us. They created more total shots. Um, they had three times the amount of shots on target than us as well. So that says a lot. Um, but we know the um, the you know uh, the weaknesses we have up front and the fact that we don't create enough opportunities. But when you couple that with the Sam Allardyce philosophy of football, you're going to expect that we're a low possession team that um, you know makes the most out of long balls, but not just long balls, but searching balls, and doesn't get many opportunities. So we're crying out for a striker that can absolutely capitalise yeah, on them. Yeah, that, that's that's what we need. We need uh, some injection of quality into the squad, and um, just some strikers that suit this side a lot more. So we used to say that Keller Robinson's position was. Down the middle, that was his best position. Um, Which I still maintain it is. I I would if we were playing four three three in this sort mm. of formation. I don't think it is. I think there are. I'd have took him off today. Uh, there were too mm. many times where he misjudged the bouncing ball or misjudged the ball in general, and his touch was poor as a result. Um, his crosses weren't sharp enough today. I don't think we could have had a chance with Pereira, uh, but he took too long on the cross. Um, he does a lot of running. He makes some good runs, uh, but I just don't think he's natural down the middle in this system i'd, I'd rather see, see him would, wide in this one i would i would slightly disagree with you on that and the only reason i would disagree is that i feel like he was the best option that we had available to us with um with grant out as well yeah um, no i, I agree think, i understand um, the injury is a factor in that but i'm just making an observation on just overall i think a new striker i, I don't to think come in. i don't think how robson carney would have offered more um attacking prowess no than, i agree i agree um than robinson um but i do maintain like that it is his best position playing centrally um but i understand what you mean this particular system doesn't actually facilitate his ability to play that as well as he possibly could I do agree with you on that um, but in the last two games today included and the game though we absolutely smashed the jingles mate still got to have that in the bag um, you know he did really really well and um, you know he put a lot of pressure on not only the Wolves defence last game but he put a lot of pressure on the West Ham defence today sort of um, playing a high line when he needed to he has a lot of energy up front mate a lot more energy than I remember him having in the championship um, and that's to, to be commended really um, but a lot of players had a good game today um, I want to showcase Sawyer's because 
Um, you know, a lot of Albion fans um, seem to be really putting on their negativity on um, on Sawyer's lately. And to be fair, we've been very critical of him as well in the last few games, um, which has been pretty justified. He was, he was but he was solid. Yeah. Probably had the best game he's had all season, um, in my opinion. Um, a lot of people at half-time calling him... Um, you know, sort of the West Brom Perlo at one point, which is usually the player that everyone, um, you know, sort of cliche goes for when you've uh, strung four or five passes together, haven't you? Yeah. But um, no, his distribution, very, very good today. And that's what you expect when you have Soyuz at 100%. Um, other elements of his game, yeah, they fall by the wayside. What I found interesting with Soyuz today and what's really, really positive is his ability to play the ball forward because we know with Sawyers you know he has this natural ability to once he's put his head down looks up uh his first instinct is to play the ball back or to play it sideways he had a good positivity in playing the ball quickly getting it out from under his feet and playing it positively forward as well today that's got to be commended um because that's a really big advantageous part of his game and I feel like if he continues on that trajectory and with that trend, um, he's only going to keep improving and add more to the distribution of this team from midfield. Yeah, it does help when you have a player like Jake Livermore who picks up some slack defensively, breaks up the play a bit better. Um, but you've you've highlighted Romain Sawyer's there. I'd like to highlight Dora Shea. Um, I am firmly cast away, not cast away, because I reckon there's plenty of people here and it's not exactly a, an offset opinion, but I am well and truly on Dara O'Shea Island. I will remain here until he gives <laughs> reason for me to leave. Um, I really like Dara O'Shea. Wilson. <laughs> yeah, just him and Wilson uh, on Dara O'Shea Island. Um, but he was he was really good today. He was strong. He was tracking the ball well, putting in good challenges, stopping some crosses, good in the air, a goal line hmm. clearance. Um, yeah. Really is developing into a really good talent. Um, and. I think we, and it's we spoke good to have that before. versatility, isn't it? Though, just yeah. to interject slightly, because no, you know we had not just not just over different games because he can slot in at right back, he can play centre back, both very very naturally now. A bit he like he moves um, very well into that right centre half position when we move to a five. Well, that's it. I was going to touch on that as well, because obviously we changed the formation later on in the second half, didn't we? Because we went down to 2-1 and obviously Sam played the three centre-backs at the back. Then we had the two attacking full-backs with Furlong coming on as well and pushing Gaucher into the centre, into the centre-back position. And he just flows well into that position. Um, He knows that position. It's very natural to him. It's great having a player like that. And it's kind of funny having uh, Craig Dawson in uh, a West Ham jersey because he's had the similar trajectory. It was was that dynamic sort of... Defence-minded fallback when he had to play there, um, but I think Martin Keown was was right on commentary. If you listen to the BT one, um, he said he, he just looks like a player who loves to defend, and you really do find that he loves going after every ball. He loves putting his body on the line there, um, mm. and I think we've really got a good one in Dairo O'Shea. Um, and everyone, go vote for him for. Um, I think it's Ireland Young Personality of the Year or Breakout Star. Uh, I think he leads by one percent over someone else, so we need yeah, to get him to it. win that. But he's definitely part of that school of thought that we've touched on in previous podcasts as well, where we talk about players that we kind of ask too much of, really. Um, you know, people like O'Shea, he's stepping um, up, Connor Townsend, I think, I think there's been times Furlong. where he's looked, he's uh, he hasn't adapted as well, and it's just come down to him being he's played really well, but then other times he's got caught out because he just isn't no, accustomed mean, to playing to playing professional football, let alone playing at the highest level in the world. Well, absolutely. But today but I he meant looked it in 
solid I'm and into, accustomed I'm to into it. In terms of a positive, uh, a positive approach, because um, you know, like I said, with Townsend, Furlong, O'Shea as well, all three of them are players that, as I said, peripheral players in the Championship, and have come into this squad and are now starters, really, absolute starters in this Premier League outfit. And again, shows the level of progression of them in this squad that they can push these people out and keep playing games in, and um, you know. Again, you love seeing that. Again, the positives from this game, mate. You know what I mean? We're trying to find the nuggets of positivity within a 2-1 loss away at home. Uh, sorry, away from home. Um, and it's there is, finding there are these positives. players that will move forward with the starting lineup when new players come in. So if we do get targets like um, we, like Danny Rose, who I think, we, I think we need a lot more than I would have thought before the game, because I think, I think Kieran gives us um, not as good as he has been in previous weeks. Uh, mm. Since he's come back into the line, so I'd like to see Danny Rose come in. But when we see um, some new midfielders come in, uh, links to Celta Vigo player, forgive me for not knowing his name, um, Grenier as well, and these players, and links to uh, Diane or Diagna at Galatasaray, mm. and um, is it Belokan or Bahokan at Angers? So a lot of Angers. links coming through and uh, of defenders of midfielders and strikers alike, and it's about these players that performing well in in wins and losses that will move forward with this lineup. I think mm. Doro Shea is one of them because he's he's adapted to a more defensive style of football. So we can play Furlong if we want someone to be bombing down the wing. But Doro Shea, he doesn't offer a great deal offensively, but he doesn't give you nothing. But defensively, he's a lot more solid. And it's mm. like it's it's watching these players go forward with the team. So Sam Johnson's not moving. Ajayi's not moving. I don't think O'Shea will move from the starting lineup until he gives Sam reason to. Um, Pereira, players like this who won't move from the starting lineup, but will adapt with the new signings to, you know, make a push and, um, you know, make a second fair, great escape. To be fair, I mean O'Shea's attacking game uh, doesn't get highlighted enough as well. And I mean to look at this game today, uh, I think it was at half time. I was having a look at the positional charts of um, how our formation looked over the first 45 minutes. Uh, and O'Shea was very, very offensive, and he was sort of um, he was occupying sort of the not only the the midfield position but also uh, touching on their final third so what that tells me um throughout the course of that first half and parts of the second half as well is he's coming into the box not um with the darting runs in the same way that furlong is uh when he plays right back or right wing back for us depending on the formation um but what he is doing is he's coming forward supporting the attackers supporting the uh the midfielder um, the midfielders and the wingers as well and sort of playing that um, in that ball in behind to the wingers or into the attackers as well um, and that doesn't get highlighted enough because like I say when Furlong plays that position it's very very apparent he's in yeah. there he's making the darting run into the box or on the edge of the box and putting the final cross in um, but with O'Shea it's a bit more conservative and he's the sort of instrumental figure just behind he's more position. he's more positionally aware I find um, yeah and I think we'll, we'll talk, obviously it's a, it's a talk of the game but we'll get to the game in a moment um uh, on a whole, but I think the under Sam, the goals haven't stopped necessarily. However, I do think one thing that's happened is positional awareness of players has improved in this yeah, system absolutely. opposed to Wonder Billich. Um, yeah. So you're looking at players like Pereira trying to cut off passes and cut off uh, potential runs and, and other players that you wouldn't necessarily seen um, under mm-hmm. Slavan Bilic. Um So I think that we are slowly getting better. We just need better players to come and fit into this team and be able to make the most of the chances we create. Um, so take Grzyczki, for example. Um, he had an okay game today. Um, it's well documented, the fact that I don't know where I stand on Grzyczki. Um, 
I was unfazed when he was linked away, and people were like, "Oh, he's staying good." I, I, I wasn't bothered. Um, he, he does a good shift turbo. He, he runs a lot, um, but there were some things missing today, and I think those are places where the first cuts we made. If we can bring in someone to add competition, or when Grady comes back um, into that position, maybe. I mean, for me, I think Grisic is has improved, and um, I would be, you know, sort of remiss if I wasn't to say that. Um, you know, I've liked Grisicki over the course of these two games, the Wolves game and this game today. Um, obviously, there are points in his game that um, that need developing, you know. But I feel like under this system that heavily caters to... We were playing very centrally today, right? You could see that from... Um, if you look at the, the, the crazy heat charts that you get on Sky Sports and um, the positional... Um, formations of the team and how we move throughout that midfield. You could tell it was a very central game today. Well, we were playing with a lot of central was... players. Grzycki was probably the only winger on the pitch. Well, exactly. Gallagher was, was out wide and he's not a wide player. When Gr- when Grzycki cuts in and he was doing that an awful lot this afternoon as well, cutting in, playing the ball on the edge of the midfield box and things like that to people like Gallagher and Livermore and Sawyers. Um, really, really threatening. It was very, very threatening um, to the West Ham lineup, uh, and I think we were just trying to mitigate the fact that we know that West Ham fill that box um, when they're out of possession of the ball. Um, they they get their big guys back um, to use a bit of a cliche, but they do. Um, so we weren't going to win the aerial battles with Callum Robinson up front and Pereira just behind him as well. Um, so we were trying to play those balls on the outside of the box and trying to engineer something that way. Worked quite well. Um, and I'm also a big fan of um, Pereira playing centrally. We all know that. All the avid listeners of the podcast knows that. Um, and today he was almost playing like a striker when we were off the it, ball. It was more of a centre-forward role, wasn't it? It was uh, yeah. almost... not. We, we did not play a false nine. But in that sort of coming a bit deeper, collecting the ball playing those passes, collecting it higher at the pitch and finding passes as well. He was, when he got, he sort of grew into the game, I found, and when he did grow into the game, he became integral and he scored a brilliant goal, which we'll come on to later. Um, So we'll start where, we'll start to look at the game piece by piece. Um, I think we started the game well. I think we had spells where we could have scored. We looked like we could score. Um, We soaked up some chances. Um, we, we, it was a bit chancy at times. Um, you know, took some risks, but we, you know, it was what five seconds into the uh, five seconds to go until we would go in for half time, and then um, an absolute zingerberger comes across the box, and it's it's uh, tucked away <laughs> by Jared Bowen's chest into uh, the opposite corner, um, and it's one nil going into half time. Uh, well, yeah, which is unfortunate. Yeah, it was unfortunate. It, you know, when you look at the balance of play, um, you know, it was very it was very equal. Um, we had good opportunities. They had good opportunities, despite the fact that they had slightly more uh, opportunities and uh, had greater possession. But that's not a reflection of the true context of the first half. Um, but it was a good ball in, first time ball, and sort of Jared Bowen just sort of guides it with his chest. Um, you know, very unlucky. That would be the word that I'd use to describe it, to be perfectly honest. We could have been defensively better, but I think when the ball goes in first time like that, it's difficult. Yeah, the, the speed at which the ball's played is difficult there. But Bowen's wide open. I think someone could be getting closer to him in general. But by the time the ball's come across, it's too late. And he's tucked it away well, to be honest, mm. with his with his chest. Um, which is a bit of a sting in the tail because we were linked with Jared Bowen. But they wanted bad money and we weren't willing to pay for it. And I think understandable. But yeah. he has shouts at Jared Bowen. He has been very good The classic West Ham tale, isn't it? Yeah, we, he, we get linked with someone and they throw £90,000 a week at him. And it's yeah. like, bye-bye. Um, he has <laughs> been very much. good for them. Um as uh, coming on to the second half, um, we we did we started shakily, I think, in the second half, um, and we were sort of um, 
under a lot of pressure. And we get a nice breakaway, and it's Pereira carrying the ball, and he has a go, and he finds the bottom corner. Mm. Um, a brilliant goal. And there's a VAR check for offside, which if it would have been given, I oh, would have hit the roof. I'd have, I'd have given up, mate. I'd have it's, given it's, up. The, it's the cheek from Fabianski to even suggest that it should be an offside. When he dives... He dives on time. There's no delay to his dive. He dives as soon as he sees the ball being shot. As soon as he sees Pereira's foot cock to shoot, he's ready mm. to go. So there's no obstruction from Gallagher, and I'm glad that there wasn't one fabricated. Well, the thing is, he's, he's, he's 10 yards in front of the goalkeeper. The ball comes across. There's no contact between Gallagher and the ball as it comes in, and he's nowhere near a defender, so there's no yeah, way that there he is could such be thing, There is such thing called peripheral vision. Um, <laughs> you know, He isn't just tunnel-visioned into seeing... Gallagher and he can't see the ball he can see the whole play there you know he isn't blocked off by Gallagher in any way um, and we go 1-1 things are getting better we start getting a lot more pressure um, a bit of a similar routine to the first goal they scored you know um, mm. it's a not really a zinger this time it's a it's a looping cross um, Gibbs has to do better there I know Suchek has a lot of uh, sorry it's Yarmolenko has a lot more height on him but he's nowhere near him uh, going mm. up for the header, he needs to be better to put some pressure on, and it comes down and um, it, it's taken well by Antonio. He's coming back to form very well, a yeah. very good time for West Ham, um, mm. and he takes it well and he tucks it uh, into the bottom corner, I think, because it goes through Bartley's legs, doesn't it? Um, yeah. You know, we can say Bartley has to be better there. It, it's 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 reactions, isn't it? At the end of the day, I think the the blame there lies with the, the header being able to to be one at the back stick and to be put down. Um, and I haven't really seen the cross. Uh, well, the thing is, is there's a few like errors. A there's a few errors. You know, Gibbs, you mentioned Gibbs, but, you know, same as Livermore coming to the box as well, could be doing better as well. Um, the same with Bartley as well. Um, it's just he's managed to find that little bit of space uh, between the centre back and it's the centre mid. It's what we're missing, isn't it? It's these players that can make. Antonio's made something out of nothing when you think about it. It's a header down into a bunch of bodies and he's got his foot on the end of it and tucks it away nicely. Mm. Um, and these are the things that we're missing. We're missing um, a bit of something in the box, you know, you know, a, bit, a, a touch and a finish or a header and a finish. Um, and West Ham have got that sorted. Um, so it's something to aspire well, we, to be. We did have our opportunities, especially in that, that latter part of the second half. I mean, Gallagher had a great opportunity where the ball was, was cut back and he hits it first time. It's just unfortunate that he has to sort of... Um, you know, sort of hit it with his right foot and he kind of scuffs it a little he bit so the power's taken it? out of it. Yeah, yeah, he has to though. And th- there was a couple of opportunities like that. The Furlong, the Furlong had an opportunity it's fell as to the well on the volley. That yeah, and that's the, the thing. Person, hasn't it? But, it, but those opportunities have come, those opportunities have come from, as you say, playing decent balls into danger areas and having players there. It's just, as you say, it's Furlong. And even though Gallagher's a great striker of the ball on his day, um, it's just the fact that it's he's had to allow it to come across him and it's just the connection wasn't right yeah. at that particular I, I moment. A few words of Gallagher. People are saying some stuff about Gallagher. I was in my group chat um, talking about the game and, you know, I think two of us were saying Gallagher's been good. You know, he, he's, unna- he's admittedly he's in an unnatural position, but he's still good mm. at breaking up play and he's still good at passing the ball forward and moving. Um, and, and two of us were saying he was terrible and he needs to be taken off at half-time. I, I would he, be in the former. The yeah, former, I he would was, say. He, ben Rama had his number, but that side Ben Rama, he's a, he's, a, he's a very technical player. Um, and it's, you know, Gallagher's a central player. When he mm. got his chance to move more centrally, uh, he was he was far better and you know defend and he just breaks up play well I find, um, but he set such a high standard for himself that that is one of his poorer performances in Albion shirt, but it was still probably a six out of ten. Well, let's just I mean? let's just 
let's just look at it contextually as well because there's a there's a point I want to touch on. Let's touch on it now because I feel like it's um it's very prevalent to this point. Tell me, Is Gallagher's been yeah. Let me let me do it. Let me uh, let me add a bit of context. So the Gallagher's. Gallagher's been pushed to the side. He's out of position. For me, in the first half and most vast majority when he was playing on that wing, he did a good job. The guy's got the energy to play on the wing, the, de- uh, the de- determination, the tenacity, um, and the desire to play in that way. All the cliches out of the way. Um, but obviously we know he's better in uh, down the centre. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about why he was pushed down the centre. And that's the fact that uh, Snodgrass has had to be taken out of this team. Oh, yeah, because of absolutely. Some yes. Crazy, yes, 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 yes. crazy contract negotiation between West Ham. It's a joke, isn't and, it? Uh, and it's us. a joke. It's crazy. Um, we, 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 there is so much context there, Dom, that you're a prequel film. That's how much context you've added there. We're going to just <laughs> top it off with a bit extra bit of context. This is the sequel to the prequel. This is the pre-sequel. That's it, mate. It's like the um, Phantom Menace, mate. <laughs> this is this is ridiculous in my eyes. I, I read it, I read it, and I was like, okay, that's weird. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, this is ridiculous because probably we had to agree on that because rest of them are gone. Okay, you won't have him then. And Albion are so starved and are so and are in a position where they need this player. They've gone right, sod it. Guess he, he just won't play against well, you. Well, let's just let's just say before we continue, just in case anyone doesn't know, um, the lineups came out an hour before the match, and there was no Robert Snodgrass, which I thought was very very strange. And in fact, I put it on the I think it was on the Instagram of the West Bromwich Albion yeah. page, and a lot of other people were very stumped. And then it came out. Um, I think it was through the Athletic um, just after, and it was basically saying. Um, that there was an agreement reached when Robert Snodgrass signed for us, signed his 18-month deal, um, that he wasn't allowed to play this game, um, which is the first time, you know, anyone else, please tell me if I've got this wrong, but it's the first time I've ever heard that um, in a Premier League game and a Premier League contract. Um, never heard it being done anywhere yeah, it's else. it's been investigated because it, it seems like a bit of a gentleman's deal and there's not real information as to what it was, but there's a lot of talk on Twitter and I agree. Robert Snodgrass is either a West Bromwich Albion player or he's not. It's ridiculous mm. for them to suggest, like, oh, but we don't want him to play against us, please. No, he can't play against It's It's so childish that I'm, I'm using that voice. No, no not against us, But he no. kind of deserves it, mate. He kind of deserves the, the childish yeah, nature no, of, uh, of the voice you're putting stupid. on. Because it is. It's ridiculous business, and it makes no sense. And I can't see there being any stipulation in an actual professional contract that allows that. It's got to be some backdoor gentleman's agreement um how do you want that it's ridiculous and, and if i'm robert snodgrass um sitting, there was obviously a video of him sitting there with uh, james morrison in the stands um i'm there going well what the hell's going on boys you know how have you allowed this to happen i had a great game against wolves um and like we say it's affected the game for us because gallagher who's such an integral player that's had to come back in after being suspended in the wolves wide. games before start wide, yeah. um, if it had started centrally and Snodgrass had started, maybe we could have nicked a point in West Ham. We would have, we would have dealt with Ben but... Rama a lot better that first half, uh, I think, because I think Snodgrass and Dorishay would make have made a good combination in the one game they played together um, in dealing defensively and moving the ball forward on the right. So mm. it's frustrating. It is really frustrating that he wasn't able to play today. Um, and that is, you're right, that is why Gallagher's that's been pushed up wide because we're starved for options there. Phillips, mm. I think he might still have COVID. Dean Garner's injured. He's more of a left-sided player. So, and Gallagher's one of the better players. He's got, like you said, he's got the the myriad of stereotypes to to fit playing out wide. So he's gone there. Um, it's just stupid. It is just stupid. Um, I mean, for me, uh, for me as a fan, uh, I'd I'd love th- to see the club come out and actually make a proper official statement about this because I think it deserves I think it. They have. It's, it's I think seems shady said, and underhanded. I think they've said uh, Sam Allardyce has confirmed that it was a pre pre um, agreed 
claws or something. Yeah, I did. I did see that, but Sam Allardyce isn't putting the contracts together, mate. We have we have people in place to put these contracts together and an administration that sorts all this business yeah, side so out. So it was Sam Allardyce isn't there doing the uh, dotting the i's and crossing the t's on the contracts with Robert Snodgrass. So it's Sam Allardyce has confirmed Robert Snodgrass is unavailable to play in tonight's game owing to the agreement reached with West Brom to sign the player. So it's it's an agreement that's been made before the game. It's come through it's come through official channels. So maybe it was written, or it's more binding than a gentleman's agreement. I don't know, mate. How many times have we come on a podcast and had to decipher weird hieroglyphic responses from the club since it's been under this lie administration? The whole thing's just shady, grey areaed. Um, I don't like it. I don't like the fact that we have such little transparency and clarity within the club at the moment. And this is just another small element that just adds to it. We've touched on it, you know, previous podcasts with uh, with Lyon, the shady business dealings that he's doing in the club's name. And now this is another one, you know, whether he's directly involved or not. You know, I've never heard this before coming from the club. And it just so happens, it's coincidental. It's coming for the first time during the Lyon administration. I don't think so. I don't think it's coincidental all. Yeah, well, there's some news, um, some quotes coming out. Uh, David Moyes Coy, on, this is from Steve Madley. David Moyes Coy on the Snodgrass situation is post-match presser. It's none of my business, and I'm not sure it's any of your business. He told Sky's Gary Cottrell, says Premier League have to do what they want to do. Have to do what they have to do. Uh, Allardyce to BT Sport. If the Premier League want to know about it, they can contact us privately and we'll tell them. It's up to the Premier League to tell us what and if we've done anything wrong and then I'll answer whatever questions they decide to ask me. Yeah, that's him just covering himself and that's just him being professional, which is fair enough. Um, But it's not Sam Allardyce that has to answer for this because he's not responsible for it. It's the people that are coming up with the contracts. It's the administration. It's the business side of the club. Um, that are coming up with these contract negotiations and if it is something that is stipulated within the contract it's ridiculous number one and if it's a gentleman's agreement that's not in the contract it's equally as ridiculous that we should honor it so either way it makes no sense at all Um, and to be perfectly honest it makes the club look uh, kind of stupid really so there's it's Oliver Kay who's wrote the story I think about the Premier League pursuing this um and whether it's right or wrong, if I'm wrong, then sorry, whoever wrote the uh, actual uh, story. Uh, but this is from Oliver Kay's article. Is there a Premier League rule against this? Yes, Premier League Regulation 70 states that no, quote, no club shall enter into a contract which enables another party to that, to that contract to require the ability materially to influence its policies or the performance of its teams in league matches. So right, okay. I don't know how you want to decipher that. Steve Madley's well, taking it as if it was West Brom in the wrong for influencing itself. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, it's um, de- it's deciphered from the first word of that actual quote, which is yes, it is. It's 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 wrong. It seems to be illegal. It's against the rules. And and if we've been so, found it's West Brom allowing West rules, Ham to influence itself. That's uh, yeah, how well, I'm reading, sort uh, of on there. I mean, as much as I love the club, if we're in breach of uh, of a rule like that, then proper. You know, sort of the proper protocol needs to be taken, um, and it stops this kind of crap from happening again. To be perfectly honest, because it's only affected us. It's it's worsened our position in this uh, in this game. It hasn't worsened West Ham's position. They've won the game two one. Uh, and again, the argument could be made that with a Robert Snodgrass and pushing uh, Conor Gallagher into the centre, we could have been a bit more resolute in the midfield, created a couple more opportunities, and you know, um, it'd be more drive. Who knows? There'd definitely be more drive in the team. I think. Yeah. Um, and that, you know we'll have to keep a close eye on this. If if major things develop, then of course 
there'll be a podcast about it um, and may even be coming up on a on an upcoming episode. So, you know, just be, be sure to keep an eye out for what happens around this story, what we're doing, um, and hopefully there'll be a win next game. Uh, Don, we spoke about a lot of positives, um, so we hope we can move on to the next game with those. Uh, are you optimistic? Well, it's it's a difficult six weeks, isn't it, mate, really? Um, the Man City game, it's going to be a bit of a write-off, isn't it? If, if we're we said all that perfectly the honest. But then again, that's true. I mean, this season we have taken points from big teams. We drew with Chelsea earlier in the year. We drew with Man City. We drew with Liverpool. Um, you know, so, you know, under you know Sam Allardyce's tenure as well, that Liverpool game was... We were ex- fully expecting another 5-0 loss and uh, managed to grind out that 1-1. Terrible, terrible football, obviously. It was horrible to watch, but managed to get a point against um, you know one of the best teams in Europe, so fair enough. But in the, the next six weeks, it's huge, mate. Huge, because we've got Fulham at home after Man City. The Fulham then Sheffield huge. United. Chef huge. Then Sheffield United is massive. Then we've got Tottenham. Eh, if we could get a point, we'll be very, very lucky. Same with Man United after that as well. But then we've got Burnley and Brighton after that. So those throughout are, February, it's massive. I'd, I'd, lo- I'd love to come out of those four games with, with you know, three points in each. So what, twelve? If my math is right. Um, yeah. Uh, or maybe nine um, out of them. Nick a point against City. You know, Nick ten mm. out of the total. Get three wins and a draw. Do you know what I mean? Or, mm. You know, stuff like that. I'd like to pick a, a cluster of points out of that that we can maybe progress close to that 20. You know, we were on le- at this point in the season, we were on 10 points in the Great Escape year. So it hasn't been, it, you know, we've done much crazier things. We weren't bottom at Christmas, but we need to start picking up some points soon. And I think everyone's yeah, I in think, agreement with that. I think so. I think we're going to see some severe fluctuations in formation and style as well because we, we've yeah. got these we've got these games, Fulham, Sheffield United, like I said, but then we've got, you know, you know the bread in between that Fulham and Sheffield United sandwich is Man City and Tottenham. Yeah, you know we're going to be playing a very different formation we'll be, from that. So in those games we'll be sitting back and barely doing anything. But against yeah, Fulham and Brighton, Liverpool. we'll be we'll be playing our game uh, where we can. You know we'll be better on the ball as, as Sam said against Wolves. It'll be a similar performance to that. Um, mm. And I'm, we're optimistic, but you know I think still some transfers to come in, um, more coaching, uh, getting better and better. Uh, and finally getting some points on the board. But guys, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, check out all our other episodes. Check us out on Instagram, at Two Baggies One Light Bulb. Uh, we'd love for you to follow us over there and get involved. Uh, we're always asking questions. We're always wanting you guys to get involved, so be sure to do so. And come on, you baggies.